You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Rique, and I'm being joined by the uh, publisher of TheBarkBoard.com, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Good, good. And for people out there who don't know already, Jackson has quit his full-time job <laughs> and now has made The Barkboard his full-time job. And uh, if you haven't noticed already, there's been an influx of stories coming across the boards now. And so how does it feel to just, you know, kind of kind of do something that you've always wanted to do, but do it full time now? Yeah, it's awesome uh, just to be out here every day. You know, the past couple of years, I've been trying to just carve out some time here or there to, to try and piece together the stories out here at practice. But now I'm you know, pretty much here every day, um, seeing everything firsthand uh, all the time, not just when I'm able to make it. And, uh, of course, more time out here means more interviews, more content, more time I'm, I'm away f- when I'm away from here, I'm working on more stories compared to before, trying to juggle multiple jobs. So that's been awesome. Uh, I'm excited about the content that's on the site already, both for free and for premium members. And uh, just a lot of exciting things, and I'm glad I've got the time to, to take advantage of them right now. And perfect timing with this season coming up. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, I mean, if you aren't, if you haven't noticed, Jackson and I are actually recording live on location here at uh, Bulldog Stadium as they are practicing here in the background. We're not uh, we're not allowed in to to watch what they're doing. They're having their their first scrimmage of the uh, fall camp, but Jackson and I were able to kind of go in and and kind of just gauge where the players are at at this point so far in fall camp. Uh, that leads us going into to the preseason, Jackson, and there has been talks already of where the preseason rankings are, and, uh, well, it looks like the Bulldogs kind of got a little bit of snuff there, didn't they? <laughs> well, as far as the Mountain West goes, they were picked to win the West, which is what we expected. And there was a little bit of, uh, it wasn't quite unanimous, San Diego State is still coming into the season with some hype, and maybe people thinking that they're 27-3 walloping against the Bulldogs last year in that loss was a, maybe a fluke, I don't know, but... But, of course, San Diego State has been good for several years now, and they're not to be slept on. But Bulldogs on the top of the West Division, and most people expecting Boise State to win the conference. Um, a little surprised how unanimous that has been, because Fresno State, I mean, over 120 minutes, was, I think, the better team. Uh, of course, they split two games, and Boise State got the one that mattered. But it's pretty much a stalemate in my mind when you look at the two games, and both the home teams won, and it, neither one was very convincing. Uh, when you look nationally, uh, Fresno State is really not being mentioned much in top 25 talks, which I thought they would be because they finished the season in the discussion. And, and I thought I saw somewhere that they were ranked just outside the top 25. Yeah, so the coaches poll is the one real poll that's out so far, and the Bulldogs had four votes, which would land them, if you count all the teams that are also receiving votes, I believe they're somewhere in the mid-40s. <laughs> People are really undecided at this point of who those top 25 teams will be, and a lot of teams are getting votes. But, uh, yeah, they were about in the 40s. Um, I know CBS Sports put out a, a poll, one through 128 or 29, I think it is now, and Fresno State was 51. That one surprised me, especially with Boise State being 21. I mean, as, give, as even as those two teams were, and as much of them that come back this season, there's no way those two teams are 30, <laughs> 30 teams apart. 
Um, you look at the, uh, a lot of the stories that are coming out as far as who might be the group of five team that breaks through and gets to the New Year's Six Bowl, and Fresno State's not in any of those. Uh, Boise State, of course, is always there. They're the favorite in most of them. FAU, Lane Kiffin's team, uh, they'll have a little bit of an easier schedule where they're at, but they're in those talks. UCF repeating is in those talks. Uh, I know Sports Illustrated had Houston ranked number 20, uh, mentioning they lost to Fresno State in the Hawaii Bowl, but not including Fresno State in those same rankings. So uh, some, some head scratchers, I, I guess. You know, I really thought that Hawaii Bowl win was going to give the Bulldogs momentum when it came to those things going into the season, but uh, I guess there's a little bit of uh, hesitancy with how much of a turnaround things <laughs> went so fast. Usually teams in year two take a step back. We saw that at Hawaii uh, just last year. Uh, Coach Rolovich took them to a bowl game, big turnaround his first year, and last year they were kind of bad to be honest. They were like three and nine. But Fresno State, if you're out here at practice, you see how deep they are, how many returners are coming out here, the new guys that will contribute. I and mean, if the defensive line gets shored up, there's no reason that this team won't be even better than last year. And I'm telling you, we've, we've had a chance to kind of be out here and kind of just look around. Uh, the Bulldogs are deep at a number of positions. Uh, but what's, what's more impressive is that they were able to hold together a nucleus of this team still uh, uh, you know, almost at every position, except maybe the the defensive line is probably a big question mark at the moment. But as far as every other position, it looks like there's returning starters at just about every position. Uh, that should make for, you know, <laughs> which, which is why we're, we're kind of scratching our heads a little bit, trying to figure out why they're so low on the rankings. And to tell you the truth, they, uh, they might surprise some people again this year, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, the schedule sets up perfectly for them, too, because, well, well I think we'll discuss this a little more later, but just looking in September, uh, at Minnesota and at UCLA, I think Fresno State's better than those two teams. Now going on the road and beating a Power 5 team, given back-to-back -back weeks even, is not going to be easy. Uh, and then Toledo, the, fall, or the next game at home, is not going to be too easy either. But uh, if they string those together, that sets up pretty nicely going forward, and I think there will be enough buzz to where they climb up those rankings pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, again, you can see it out here. There's not too many seniors that left on offense. There was three starters that are gone, and uh, I think at receiver they replaced that one senior with two new seniors, and the offensive line is already pretty confident where they're going. So, again, D-line is the one question mark, really. Well, and that brings us right into our next topic, and that's and that's going to be your so far your overall impressions of fall camp so far of what you've been able to see, and some of these guys that are that are here competing, and, and even some of the newcomers. But f first of all, let's just go over some of the the overall impressions so far that you're able to kind of visualize and see what's going on here so far. Yeah, the number one thing is the depth. Uh, this team was pretty deep in the spring, even uh, with with without the newcomers out there. Um, I mean, we have so many returning starters, and we saw a pretty good amount of depth in the second team last season with not too many of those guys leaving. And some of the positions that would be question marks are, have been getting some of the most hype from the coaches, like at cornerback, uh, Waylon Free and Chris Gaston were two redshirt freshmen. They didn't see the field at all last year, but they're actually pushing Tank Kelly, I believe, maybe for that starting spot for some playing time. And, uh, I mean, you go down the line and you've got some examples of that at just about every position and uh, just the sheer amount of bodies that the Bulldogs have and there's very little uh, I hate to use this term but dead weight you know there's a time where or at least most colleges 
you got 110 spots to fill and only you know, there's not that many scholarships relative and you fill out some of those last spots with you know some local guys that are looking for their shot or some junior college transfers or you know, just guys that want to walk on and there aren't many of those on this team I mean a lot of quality players are not on scholarship and just the position groups you've got 18 receivers 18 <laughs> yes. defensive linemen 14 <laughs> linebackers it's there's a, ch a challenge to get all these guys to reps and uh it's just really impressive especially given how shallow this team was a year year two years ago and coach tedford has patched it up really quickly now there's 27 seniors on this team and that's kind of the reason why <laughs> the depth is where it is but uh, we'll see how that pans out next year but for the time being you couldn't ask for much more. So, you know, why don't we just jump into that topic then? And that's, it's, it's going to be the depth. The, you know, you kind of touched upon it a little bit. And there's a number of positions that are so deep right now that it's going to be really hard for the Bulldogs to get a lot of playing time in for these players. And one of those, wide receivers. They're extremely deep. Another one, running backs. There's a lot of talent waiting in the stables but how are you going to get all of them to get touches? That is going to be the key as well. Uh, tight end. Quarterback. Well, we know quarterback is only going to have one guy who's going to play as long as he is healthy. And that's going to be McMarion. But there's a number of guys ready to step in. And they've all looked pretty impressive so far at this fall camp. So with that being said, Jackson, the depth. Probably some of the best you've seen uh, in recent years. Or, or where they stand so far? Yeah, hands down. I mean, that was always the challenge during the DeRuiter era. Um, I mean, when he got here, they had those top-notch starters, of course, their cars and the Devontae Adams and all them, but there was a lot of turnover in the program. A lot of guys were just not sticking, leaving early, um, transferring out. A few guys got dismissed, um, and it was just it was hard to develop depth, and then it got to a point where they didn't really have a, a solid first team either. Uh, even in the Pat Hill years, um, a lot of the positions were pretty deep, uh, but sometimes when those second teamers got called on you could see the drop off and those were maybe some of the down years when Fat Hills teams were pretty consistent year in and year out. Uh, this team, like receiver for example, last year you come out with Keyshawn Johnson, Jameer Jordan and uh, Damari Scott as your starters and this year you lose Damari Scott and the Bulldogs have a guy that was at Nebraska that played a little bit last year, Darion Grimm, and normally he'd be the guy you put in and you just kind of take your lumps with any more growing pains you might have with him. But this team brings back Delvon Hardaway for a sixth year as a senior <laughs> and they also bring in Micaiah Quick who was a four-star recruit who set out last year as a transfer. Now all of a sudden you've got five, I mean, legit guys and then that's only five out of the 18. <laughs> there's there's four other uh, walk-ons. A couple of those guys are on scholarship now, and they may be in the rotation. Uh, they brought in a whole group of uh, three three-star receivers, I believe, in this class, and then a couple three-star guys that sat out last year. Um, I mean, it's just <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how they they work everyone in there. It, it's pretty deep. I mean, that wide receiver position right now, I have I can't remember the last time there was that many receivers with that much talent. Uh, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch here in the recent in the upcoming years. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd compare maybe Keyshawn Johnson, which I'd say would be your number one guy, to maybe Devonte Adams or some of the other number one guys the Bulldogs have had. But I mean, if Darion Grimm is your fifth guy, if Makaya Quick and Delvon Hardaway are your third or fourth guys, I don't think the talent at those parts of the depth chart maybe have ever been there. Um, so it just kind of lined up this year and. Uh, the Bulldogs are in really good shape as far as that goes. 
Yeah, so you know, there's a number of positions that are just going to be outstanding this year. So you know, we'll have to keep an eye on them and see just how these players will develop and who's going to get playing time and who's not. Uh, one thing we do know that it's going to be very hard for incoming freshmen to break the, <laughs> the starting lineup uh, at just about any position. Uh, but you know, we just heard you just broke the news not too long ago about the eligibility of a player who just uh, that was here at Fresno State, uh, Ricky McCoy. What more have you found out? What can you say about this? Yeah, uh, Ricky McCoy was the guy right here from Fresno. I believe he was at Bullard for a while and was at Roosevelt uh, High Schools. Uh, was recruited more so as a tight end, some people thought, but ended up being a D lineman and had all the big offers. Went to Washington. Spent three years there and played sparingly, to be honest. He wasn't a, a huge part of their rotation. Uh, he did get into the game where they beat the Bulldogs last September, since that one was a little uh, out of hand. Um, but even a player of that standing on a Pac-12 team like Washington, a top-10 team, is a quality player compared to you know most Mountain West defensive lines. Um, he'd made the decision to transfer, and it wasn't necessarily because he wasn't getting the playing time. He, he did allude to the fact that there was an issue, a serious family issue that was calling him back home, and those are the kinds of things, the rare kinds of things where the NCAA allows a waiver, and even then sometimes Fresno State's a school that doesn't quite get, get all the help from the NCAA that a school maybe like Oklahoma might get if a player has some allergies, cough, Jalen Sanders, cough. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, uh, McCoy has been practicing all fall. He, he's been in town since January, but uh, was not enrolled, so he couldn't practice or anything like that. Now he's been in uh, during the summer. Uh, he's been practicing, but now that he's eligible, they can actually put him in with those first or second teams, and that really shores up your defensive tackles position. The Bulldogs only bring one guy back that had starting experience, Kevin Atkins. Uh, lost a lot of seniors there. Um, Jasad Haynes and KTI Copo have looked pretty solid. Uh, they had big off seasons, but you feel a whole lot better with uh, another option with Ricky McCoy. And I mean, he's big. I think he's at 6'2", 300, uh, strong. Um, could make an impact right away here. Yeah, so that, that that's definitely a player to keep an eye on. He, he might actually crack it, uh, the starting line and get in there in the mix early, uh, depending on how the cards fall. So we'll, we'll definitely keep a, an eye on that and see how that develops. But, you know, moving on back to some of the positions, D-line is one that you kind of wanted to touch upon uh, as to where the Bulldogs stand with this one. This one's the biggest question mark, I think. Uh, but it's not exactly a bad one because it seems like there are a number of players in there. We just don't know what kind of caliber players yeah. we have. So what what's the expectations here, Jackson? Yeah, um, the Bulldogs have 18 guys in that group here in camp, and the majority of them are solid scholarship-worthy guys, uh, the large majority of them. Um, the group has been kind of split up between about nine tackles and nine ends. It's, some guys move back and forth, but obviously a lot of options. And... Uh, a lot of guys that should pan out at this level, but you figure no matter how it pans out, you're going to have some growing pains because these guys are going to be taking on a lot bigger duties this year, and a lot of them are younger players. So uh, I do think they'll end up with a solid line, but they are going to have to go in game two and game three to Minnesota and UCLA, and it's going to be tough for them. Um, otherwise, uh, the defensive tackle spot, I mentioned the four guys that are pretty much in the mix. Defensive end is a little more open. Uh, Emeka Endo and Kwame Jones were two guys that actually played 200-plus snaps last year. Uh, the defensive line rotated a lot, so all these returning guys that I've mentioned 
I've actually played quite a bit, but again, it's a whole different story being starters than uh, the second teamers. Um, a whole host of guys that could end up getting in that defensive end rotation. Uh, Damian DeGruy saw some time last year. Uh, Levi Tatum is in that group. Uh, UNLV transfer. Uh, Andrew Wright has made the move from linebacker. He put on 35 pounds in the last offseason, <laughs> and he's in there. Isaiah Johnson, three-star freshman who was here in the spring, is in the mix. Uh, I'm leaving a guy or two out. It's a real deep group, and again, lots of options, but you just don't know who's going to make it to the top and how good that top is going to be this year. Yeah, so it's a, that's why we have that as our biggest question mark at the moment. Not because there's, there isn't enough players there, it's because we know nothing about them at the moment. <laughs> uh, we don't know what caliber they're going to be, how they're going to stack up, and who's going to be in, you know, in the mix for the starting lineup. Because as of right now, we have no idea. They haven't released any of that information to us as to who is in the mix for uh, the starting positions. Jackson's going to try to, you know, put the coaches on the spot to see if maybe we can get something out of them. But at the moment, as far as we know, we're, we're not too sure what's going to happen there. Uh, right now, Kevin Atkins for sure coming back because he started the last few games last year at defensive tackle. And I've been really impressed with the Mecca Endo at defensive end. He's real fast and brings kind of a different element they didn't have last year. Those two guys I'm pretty confident about. Uh, it's basically the rest of the line. I think a defensive tackle, you'll see some sort of combination of uh, Haynes, Iacopo, and McCoy, and that other defensive end spot. Again, Kwame Jones is there right now. I don't know. It's, I think he can be pushed. Um, but again, Coach Kane wants to run eight to ten guys, and <laughs> there's a lot of spots up for grabs. Uh, one thing I will mention, though, the first day out here, I asked Coach Kane, you know, he knows the questions were coming. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, he did. He, he dodged them. He knew they were coming. And uh, <laughs> the one thing he said, hey, last year, everyone doubted this group of D-line. You know, those four seniors that turned out to be really darn good last year were not thought highly of going into the season. And he had said, uh, the year before I got here, they weren't very good, and we became one of the best defensive linemen in the defensive line groups, best run defenses in the country, and he anticipates he'll do the same with this group. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see if they're ready. Yeah, so that is a big question, Mark. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was there for that, that portion <laughs> of the interview, and he was, he was already going through some of his, his uh, uh, pre-planned answers for you before <laughs> you even started answering questions. Uh, so, uh, but... You know, that, that'll lead us into, you know, there's players here, but what about the ones who just came in as freshmen, the newcomers, the, these guys who are hoping that they'll see some playing time this, this, this year, but what's your overall opinion? What's, what, what do you think might happen? Is there going to be somebody that might be able to kind of break the mix here, or, or is there anybody that might even have a shot? I think there's between the two of us, I think we know well, there's at least one that has a shot at starting, but everybody else is probably going to have to wait it out and see. Yeah, I mean, given the depth that we mentioned, it's not going to be easy, and it's kind of odd timing because there is this redshirt rule where they can now, well, I think we'll talk about that a little more in depth a little later as well, but you can play four games and still keep your redshirt season this year going forward, but it's going to be hard to find those opportunities to get those guys in, unless it's a blowout, of course, you can throw them in there, but... Um, Going down the line, um, I think the one that you're probably referring to is Cam Sutton. I'm going to take a wild guess. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, well, and there's also the old lineman. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, yeah, Cam Sutton, yeah. Jackson knows. I, <laughs> I, I, first thing I told him today is, like, who's that guy? And he, he's basically, I want to say he's the tallest guy out here. <laughs> 
and he's a tight end. Uh, but he's a junior college, uh, junior college transfer, and uh, I don't know, Jackson. You want to talk about him a little bit? Yeah, I mean he's six six, six seven in that range. Uh, real lengthy. He's only two hundred and twenty pounds, which is <laughs> he doesn't quite look like a tight end. No, when he told me it was a tight end, I was like, "You're kidding me, right? That's got to be a wide receiver." But no, he's a tight end and very link, lanky. I mean, yeah. The guy needs to put some muscle on. He's going to play tight end. But what, what do you think about him? Yeah, but so far, he's a, a weapon in the offense right off the bat. And him and Jared Rice, uh, who really came on at the end of last season as a receiving tight end, I mean they could use both of those guys in a package, and it's going to be tough for defenses to figure that one out. Um, thinking elsewhere on the offense and defense, where some freshmen might make an impact. Uh, five, five freshman defensive linemen come in this year. Isaiah Johnson has clearly got the leg up coming in as, in the spring. He was the second best recruit in this class. Um, he's had time in the weight room and in this program to put on an extra 25 pounds or so. He was more of a safety receiver recruit come out of high school, so big transition for him, but he's fast enough to be an edge rusher. Uh, probably would put some bets on him, figuratively speaking. Um, Leonard Payne, who was on the opposite end, kind of the lowest rated recruit, has really impressed. He's the name that keeps coming up between the, the weight room and here on the field. Um, rece the receiving group is a really impressive one with Amoria Edwards, one of the best recruits in this class. Ricardo Arias, who's a big guy at receiver. And Al Austin Alexander, who's an even bigger guy that's six foot five. Those are guys that most years would probably be seeing the field this year, but given all the receivers we mentioned, that's going to be tough. Um, uh, I, I, I honestly think the one guy that might break into would be the, the, the center, the offensive lineman. That's probably the guy who has the best shot at getting a starting position, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah. Um, I forget his name. His name's Tyrone Sampson, four-star out of Detroit. Um, he's kind of a wait-and-see right now because the center position is, I mean, of any of the positions to be a true freshman and get out there, center is probably the toughest just because of all the responsibilities that are on that. Um, I thought we might see Samson a little further ahead than where he's at right now. Uh, Matt Smith, who came in as a walk-on at center, has kind of been holding down the second team, and part of that is just he knows the playbook, and uh, it's, a, it's a lot more fluid for the second team for that to, to continue until Samson is there. Um, the offensive line, if Marcus Boyer can cement himself as the center or a guard, uh, that's probably the one question mark right now, which if uh, they go with Boyer, they might go down the line to Samson or some of the redshirt freshmen or sophomores. There's quite a few options for them to go to. Um, but one cool thing on the Barkboard Insider that we'll have, I just posted the quarterbacks over the weekend. Um, we'll have an insider report where we talk to the position coaches and get the full breakdown where these guys are at, where they're impressing early, um, what the prognosis is for this season with the quarterbacks. I've got some video all set up and uh, photos of each of those guys. Um, the prognosis is not really hard to guess just because Marcus McMarion is here and they probably won't be needed a whole lot. But uh, when you go down the line, I think it'll be some really insightful stuff for our premium members. Yeah, so that, that's really something you guys want to check out. Uh, you know, if you're not a premium subscriber, now's the chance to kind of get some of the insider scoop on what is going on with the Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to try and push that too much on you guys. That's, you know, if you want it, it's there. So you're more than welcome to become a premium subscriber and kind of and get some of the stuff that we don't generally release out to the, uh, to the general uh, public. So that being said, 
any surprises so far during fall camp? Anything that kind of stood out to you so far that that is worth mentioning? Um, the depth, of course, we've covered that pretty thoroughly. Um, it's just kind of shocking to see <laughs> what, some, what the second and third teams look like. Um, surprises, I would mention those newcomer quarterbacks. Uh, of course, they probably won't get called on, but Ben Wolderidge, who was a two-star, kind of the lowest rated of the group, has been really good, has been very accurate. Um, Hunter Riquet was just a surprise that he's here at all. We didn't think he'd come till 2019, and uh, he's a junior college transfer, so uh, that gives a whole other element to the depth in that room right now. Um, other surprises, not necessarily what they bring to the team, but their health. Uh, Ronnie Rivers has been very active, and he was a guy that the initial impression of his injury in the spring was this guy might not be on the field at all in 2018. And right now, he, he's, he doesn't look much different than the rest of them, except for when he's out there on the field, he puts on that yellow don't touch me jersey. <laughs> the yellow don't touch me jersey. I yeah. love that. That is, that is the newest thing so far now this season. I've been noticing there's a lot of yellow jerseys out there. And, of course, that does mean that's the yellow do not touch me jersey <laughs> uh, for players who are still trying to recover from injuries or the coach feels like they don't need to even be touched during practice. Uh, and, you know, Ronnie Rivers is one of those guys who's still trying to come back, and he's wearing that jersey. And, of course, they put it on McMarion. They don't want McMarion to be down, so <laughs> there's no touch me there. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 looking good so far during this fall camp. So far, uh, no no big injuries have happened during camp, right, Jackson? Not, not at least that we know of. Yeah. Uh, but that's usually the biggest concern when fall camp starts is any type of injuries that are going to be happening or have happened, uh, such as that one year, I, I believe when Pat Hill was here his last year, where uh, the free safety, I believe. Was yeah, the Philip one Thomas. Philip Thomas a... went down like one week prior to the <laughs> season opener. Uh, and so anything like that that you've heard of or is just, you know, it, so far it's been lucky. Uh, you know, not, again, not to press on the, the premium stuff, but uh, we, sometimes we talk to the former Bulldogs about their times here at Fresno State, and we post those full-length uh, interviews on the premium board. And Robbie Rouse, I'll give a tidbit of, of my talk with him. When Philip Rivers went down, he was sobbing, crying in the locker room because he knew you know, not only what Philip Thomas meant to the success of that season, but of course, you know, good friend went down with an injury and was going to miss a year. Yeah. And uh, I think that that one tidbit kind of reflected probably the emotion of that team that went to Cal, that the season opener, and didn't quite perform up to what people expected. Derek Carr's first start. Um, but this fall, I haven't seen nothing uh, too much yet as far as injuries go. Um, last season, actually, the team was pretty. It was pretty healthy, and you can thank Coach Andy Ward probably for that. That's one of his biggest um, emphases, emphases in the, the weight room as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, even you know, even the, the biggest injuries the Bulldogs have had, though, have come on the practice field. Uh, Delvon Hardaway last year towards ACL. Um, Ronnie Rivers with the Liz Frank foot injury in the spring. Um, both of those guys, again, as we mentioned, Hardaway's all the way back. Uh, Kasomi Mafi's back out here. He's the one guy that took a serious injury during a game last year at Alabama. Uh, Micaiah Quick, who people, some people don't realize was basically 
not available even as a, a practice guy during his transfer year because of injuries. Uh, he's getting back to, to full speed and they're expecting to have him too. So yeah, that uh, you know that's that's the gist of the injuries. I kind of just wanted to touch upon it a little bit because I know some of the, the the general public out there likes to hear where we're at with the injuries. So, um, but usually, even if there is injuries, they don't usually tell us. So <laughs> we kind of have to find out in other methods. So, and that's usually during where we post it is in our premium board. Uh, once we find things out there, uh, but. Moving on, your overall thoughts on the season outlook for the Bulldogs so far? Yeah, I, I thoroughly believe this Fresno State team is better than all 12 of the teams are going to play this year. Now, winning 12 games in a row is a whole different prediction. It's very tough. We saw it in 2013. No one thought the Bulldogs were going to lose to the San Jose State Spartans, who are barely bowl eligible. But... That's the kind of thing that happens when you play 12 games and the margin of error is so thin and you know, you've got college kids, crazy stuff can happen. Um, on the other side, quite a few of these games aren't locks by any means. And the biggest questions are road games. You go to at Minnesota, at UCLA, at Boise State. None of those are givens, especially Boise. Uh, even though I think Fresno State's the better of the two teams, going to Boise is, I think tips the scale back in the Broncos' favor. Always. Um, Minnesota and UCLA, the, the road trips and the, the factors around those games being Power 5, big programs, again, evens out the scale quite a bit. Um, Toledo and San Diego State at home are not going to be easy games either. Um, even some of the Mountain West schools. I think there's quite a few that probably aren't threats, but... Uh, there's a lot of those teams that are in the middle of the road, just like we saw from UNLV. They're, if they play the Bulldogs ten times, they probably won't win many of them, but on a given night they can do it. Um, so you just hope that things bounce the right way early and they get on a momentum and it snowballs. Uh, because again, if they get through September, win those big ones on the road, it could be a really special season. And if they don't, I think October sets up really well where they can kind of recover, string together some more wins, and get the excitement buzzing again in November when you've got San Diego State and Boise State back to back, and there's going to be Mountain West Championship uh, implications on the line. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the no one expected the Bulldogs to be where they were last year. So uh, to even be you know, talking about how things can be tough for them. I mean, honestly, things could go either way <laughs> this season. They could either do really well or they could be barely bowl eligible. It just depends on how disciplined this team stays this season and how much they buy into what the coaches have, uh, you know, been trying to teach them uh, during camp. So, well, you know, that's just something that's kind of a wait and see. As the season gets closer, we should be able to kind of get more uh, of an idea of where this team is at. Uh, as we said, right now, we're still very limited on what we can see, uh, but, uh, you know, we're digging in as much as we can to try and get as much information as possible. Um, but, you know, earlier you mentioned something uh, about the red shirt rule. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna dive a little deeper into this. Now, the redshirt rule before was that any incoming players, uh, newly newly to the team, could redshirt a year if they haven't done so at another university, but they could not play in any games. Correct? Yeah. So uh, the. The timeline was you get five years to play four, and basically if something happens, it's typically their first year when they're not ready, they'd redshirt. 
um, if you have an injury, something like that, any reason why you might not play for a season, you can get basically take the year off and it doesn't hurt you when it comes to those four. Now, players can play up to four games and still retain that redshirt year. And I've talked to not only Fresno State staff, uh, talked to San Jose State staff and um, trying to get kind of the gauge and every coach loves this rule because uh, those are guys they want to get out on the field, see what they can do. And uh, you know, we've seen in some cases where a freshman goes in during a blowout early in the season and they don't see the field again and they've basically wasted a year uh, not playing maybe one drive. Aaron Mitchell did that basically his freshman year or the Bulldogs would have had their center back this season <laughs> had it not been for that. Yeah, so the, here's the kicker though. The, they mm. can play four games and it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be back-to-back. They can play four yeah. games anywhere throughout any time during the season, correct? Yeah, and that's where the strategies and the thinking and the brainstorming is really going on in the coaching offices because what do you do? Do you play him the first four games and see, okay, he's not ready, sit him the rest of the year, or hey, he made an impact, he's ready to go, we can use him and go the rest of the season, or do you say, um, just focus, develop, and in November we'll have you ready, we'll get you in some games, or... Um, I mean, we just pick out maybe four games that get out of hand one way or the other and slip those guys in for some playing time. Uh, it can really work a lot of different ways and uh, it'll be interesting to see what strategies they use or a, a combination depending on the position. I know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch this not only here at Fresno State but it's going to be through college football in general yeah. because everyone's going to have their own version of a game plan to use that redshirt rule and it's the the hard part is knowing when to put the players in cuz you could say I'm only going to put them in if the games get out of hand but what happens if the whole season goes on and you're winning by one touchdown, by three points throughout the whole season. Then what? Then do you play the players at all uh, at that stage, Jackson? I don't know. Yeah, that's where I think maybe some of your lower guys on the depth chart, that's probably what their one and only chance to get in. And if it doesn't happen, then, then it kind of yeah, kind of just that's the way it goes. But um, some other guys, it'll be nice to have them ready. Say if there's an injury, throw that freshman in there and you don't have to worry about losing that redshirt year, or say like with the quarterbacks, the Bulldogs really only have two guys that we know can, can play at the, the Division One level right now, McMarion and Jorge Reyna. If for any reason they needed a third guy to come into a game, hopefully <laughs> injuries don't work out that way, but if it, you needed a third guy to come in and say quarterback number two gets a cramp, and you know, you're not gonna burn that redshirt year anymore if say Hunter Riquet goes in there for two snaps and then comes right back out. now. He'll have four opportunities to do that and, and not lose that redshirt. So do you honestly think that if, if maybe some of these games get a little out of hand and the Bulldogs have the opportunity, they're going to put in some of the, the incoming freshmen at, quarter, at the quarterback position just to give them a little bit of a taste of what uh, Division One football is all about, knowing full well that they can play up to four games before they redshirt and go ahead and give them a little bit of experience so that there's at least a little bit of experience next year for Jorge uh, Reyna. Yeah. Um... I think we'll, I think we'll probably see Rainer out there a few games for himself because he burned his retro year last year, and I imagine the Bulldogs are going to have a, a few games this year where they'll be able to get the second team in in the fourth quarter or so. Um, but I think like if 
Yeah, Idaho is better than Incarnate Word. There's no doubt about that. But if it is, a, that's not saying. If it, well, yeah, it's not saying much. But if it's even 40 to zero compared to 66 to zero last year, uh, you may see each one of those new quarterbacks get at least a drive. I mean, why not get them some experience and and let them get the feels for when someday when they are called upon, it's not brand new to them. Yeah. So that and that's and that's where I, my curiosity is kind of the best of me is if they're going to use those quarterbacks. The smart the smart choice would be if they are in a have a game well in position to win it, use them. Hmm. You know, get them that experience that they're going to need. They're going to find very valuable later on. Uh, at least in a way that it's not going to hurt their confidence so that they can continue to grow uh, at that quarterback position. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be interesting to kind of see what the game plan is going to be if it ever <laughs> reaches that point. Uh, but, you know, last topic we're going to go ahead and touch upon is the recruits that have already committed to Fresno State. As of this point right now, for, um, Fresno State has... I believe six recruits that have already committed to Fresno State, two of which are from the Central Valley. And, you know, what more can you say, Jackson? Is uh, where, where were you at this point last year? Where were we at this many so far? So last year, the Bulldogs held their camp in June where the high school guys come in and it's kind of like a learning experience, but all the coaches are out there. So they're working one-on-one -on -one with some of these players and they developed a lot of relationships and commitments in that time. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I know the two quarterbacks, uh, Stephen Comstock and Ben Wooldridge committed around that time. Uh, Matt Kelgard, defensive lineman, committed around that time. So we had a few in June. Uh, this year, the Bulldogs got their first 2019 commit in April, Hunter Riquet, who has since reclassified to 2018, so take him back off the board. It was pretty silent until just right before fall camp. There was one little window of uh, the recruiting period where they were on, they were available to be to talk to and brought in on visits, and a whole bunch of them came in. We've got that full list on the, the premium board, but six of those ended up committing on those that two-day period, which is kind of unheard of. Um, but we see how they work that early strategy. They like to get their commitments a lot earlier and sign them up in December. And the group that they got is pretty impressive. Um, five of the guys are rated as three-star recruits by 24-7 sports analysts. When you go into the composite rankings where you average out some of the other scouting services, I think it's three out of the six or three-star guys. Um, but it's encouraging, uh, especially the two Central Valley guys. It's always nice to see uh, Colby Workentine from Centennial High School in Bakersfield, big six foot five, two fifty defensive lineman, or no, it's two twenty five defensive lineman. They want to get him <laughs> closer to two fifty when he gets here. Uh, he's playing basketball in high school, so that's the kind of athlete you're thinking about there. Um, and then Randy Jordan Jr. at Tulare Union, who. I mean, it kind of got very much overshadowed by the likes of Casimir Allen and Amore Edwards last year, but... Um, oh, well, I had, didn't notice him last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, you, you did notice him, that's true. Um, I, I just didn't, I didn't do anything on him because, like you said, <laughs> yeah. the other players overshadowed him. Yeah, and so he's a guy, he was on the relay team with Casimir Allen. He's got elite speed. His dad was a four-star recruit from Bakersfield College that went to Kansas State. Um, so uh, a lot of upside and kind of an under-the-radar guy. Uh, and then a whole host of three-star recruits that came in. Uh, had a linebacker, three-star from Arkansas come in. They nabbed a couple defensive backs from Southern California, three-star receiver. Uh, the, it's just a pretty good start to the recruiting class. And 
They do graduate 27 seniors this year. I don't know if they'll have a big class because of some of the exceptions they've used, the blue shirt rules and all that. So you may see a small class again this year on paper, um, but they're off to a really good start right now and uh, made up for a slow spring and summer. Now, how many spots are, are open for the Bulldogs this year? I know it kind of varies uh, because of the late incoming scholarships and stuff, uh, if they blue, blue shirt them or, or whatever. Do you know off the top of your head how many spots that they'll have available this year? Yeah, um, I think, I want to say six of the guys in this class that came in, more so the late guys, are going to count as blue shirts. So you can pretty much cross those six spots off of this year's class. Uh, there may be some other provisions that they may have similar to last year, maybe like 17 spots around there, which doesn't sound like a whole lot when you can sign 25, but I think they're just going to keep working this blue shirt system. You'll probably see another five or six blue shirts in next year's class that aren't announced in December or February, but will be here in the fall. So that, that, that makes things different. Like, like we said, there's always a different strategy for everyone. Uh, so, you know, Bulldogs tried to do things a little bit different, and so far for this staff, it's working. Yeah. So, and, I mean, they're bringing in the talent. And part of that is just the hand they were dealt. They were so The scholarships were so under, I mean, they were way under the limit as far as players that were on scholarships, and they had to get a little creative on how to immediately create the team that did what they did last year, went 10-4, and four. Uh, but they're kind of going to be dealing with the consequences year after year until it balances out one way or another and um, another one is that they have four gray shirts from three gray shirts from last year's class so that'll throw in another wrench to it as well yeah so things things will eventually start to kind of level <laughs> out but it, we might have to wait another two or three years before that actually starts <laughs> to happen uh, but if the the bulldog staff continues to be as creative as they have and be successful you know why ruin the formula if it's working <laughs> and it's right now it's working but at, at a certain point it's actually going to start to to kind of balance itself out and make things a little easier but um, that being said jackson i think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show um, any final thoughts any final words and messages you want to give out to our listeners yeah um just keep checking in barkboard.com we've got a lot of content uh, a lot of interviews, photos, videos from practices, all that stuff. These podcasts, vidcasts, um, you know, a lot. You, the, there's, there's nowhere you can find as much Fresno State football as you can at barkboard.com. And the message boards are always interesting to, <laughs> to see what people are saying and uh, bring in your own input. And uh, I would highly encourage if you're that's something that you're interested in, I guarantee you will not be disappointed by our, our VIP membership. Uh, it's less than $10 a month and uh, brings you all of our insider info, our stories, you know, a lot of stuff that it's either first to be reported on the premium board or it's the only place it ever gets reported in some <laughs> cases. Um, so, uh, and then of course we have a lot of content we come out with, interviews and uh, like I mentioned the rookie reports earlier and our interviews with the former Bulldogs. and. Now that I've got the ability to work full time, I'm always thinking of new, interesting ideas and stories to come up with that uh, will be interesting and insightful for Fresno State fans. So I think it's well worth it. And if you haven't noticed, uh, Jackson has made a, a number, numerous uh, um, showings on the local news stations, uh, doing interviews, and uh, basically, you know, one of our one of our fans on the the boards said uh, a while back was where the news gets their news. Well, <laughs> sometimes, you know, we sometimes are able to kind of report on things that the news, you know, kind of 
depends on us to get that news for them. <laughs> so, but you know, it's 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 a good problem to have uh, that we have the types of resources and things that we can we're able to kind of give more information uh, in a timely manner, and we don't have to you know dig as hard sometimes. <laughs> but you know, if you haven't done so already, head over to thebarkboard.com, check out the website, check out the boards and stuff. Um, and then you can find us at, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Um, and you can also find Jackson. I know Jackson, I always forget you. <laughs> I've had to change it a couple of times now. We're on 24-7 sports. I've got a, a nice easy one now. It's Jackson, at Jackson Moore 24-7. All one, one line. <laughs> at Jackson Moore 24-7. Uh, so that makes things a little, a little bit easier for you guys to find. Of course, mine's always the same, at Red Wave Report. Um, you can find us on the on the boards. It's Jackson Moore. Now I, my my uh, handle on the website has also been changed to uh, to my actual name, Lucio Arik. So you can go ahead and find us there. If you have any questions, any thoughts, feel free to reach us out. You can reach us through the boards, um, or you can uh, email us at uh, redwavereport at gmail.com. Redwavereport at gmail.com. Uh, give us your thoughts, your opinions, any questions, or any uh, kind of information you guys want us to dig into. So with that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us, and join us again uh, next time as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.